Hey, and welcome back into the Duke Wisdom Podcast. Thank you for keeping up with it, staying with us. And if this is the first time you've listened in, thanks so much. Having a lot of fun with this. Having a lot of fun with this. This is something that I'm really glad that I've gotten into. And I've got a lot of positive feedback from a lot of people so far. Thank you so much for the kind words, the encouragement. Really hoping to have some guests on soon. Had some have had some people join the Duke Wisdom Network recently uh, that have started writing articles. And I'm hoping to have some of those guys on the pod uh, somewhat soon. But the subject of today's episode is doing a little bit of a non-conference schedule preview. The 11-game non-conference schedule for this season. Duke is not shying away from some difficult opponents, that's for sure. Not all of them are difficult opponents, as we'll talk about, but there are four major games that Duke has on this non-conference slate that should uh, help them build a solid resume. And and that's really an important thing for Duke to do here, because if you look at the conference again, if you look at the ACC again, the ACC is being viewed more or less as average for a power five. Again, it will be frustratingly the third consecutive year that a loss in the ACC is extremely detrimental to Duke's resume um, and that wins in the ACC rarely mean anything. I think this season wins over Carolina, uh, wins over Miami will mean something. Maybe wins over Clemson or or Virginia or NC State could mean something, but those three teams aren't exactly guaranteed. And it's just like, don't lose to them. A win doesn't mean a whole lot. Just don't lose to them and hope that you pick up wins over Carolina and Miami. Because if you lose those games, that means really the only quad one win opportunities, uh, solid quad one win opportunities will come in non-conference play. And Duke has four likely quad one games in non-conference play. The other seven, not so much. Um, one, they have they have one or two other uh, opponents that we'll get into that, that are honestly pretty solid that you might not think so on face value, but are definitely a lot better than you might think. So I'll jump into this. Uh, everything gets started October 20th, Countdown to Craziness. Uh, closer to the time that Countdown is, we'll do some sort of preview there talking about the potential blue, blue versus white scrimmage and who's going to be on what team and for songs and, and whatnot. But so I'll really get it started uh, with the exhibition game. Duke is taking on UNC Pembroke on November 1st. Those two schools have never met before, actually. And Pembroke was 26 and four last season. Uh, they're Division Two, of course. This is an exhibition. Uh, a lot of the times, Duke has a, a standing tradition of playing the Division Two defending champion. They've done that a lot in years past. That's not the case here. Pembroke is just kind of a... I think that, that Duke's sort of breaking that tradition uh, post-Coach K. Uh, Pembroke, however, was very good. I mean, 26-4. and four, Really solid record. I think they went pretty far in the Division II uh, tournament. So a solid, a solid test... Uh, shouldn't be anything crazy, but hopefully getting at least a feel for the team there against Pembroke would be nice. Uh, hopefully seeing all 15 guys out there on the floor, especially Spencer Hubbard and Stanley Borden and, and Neil Begovich. Got to see those guys on the floor. If I don't see Stanley Borden play against Pembroke, there will be rioting. The, the respect, the, the Stanley, Stanley Borden needs more minutes. We got to talk. Hold on. I'm taking an aside for this right now, actually. I'm sure I'll talk about this again later, but so many times in the regular season, Duke would build like a large lead. And, you know, they had a lot of guys that didn't play consistent minutes there at the end of the bench. Kale Catchings, Max Johns, those guys would come in. That's great. And then Spencer Hubbard would come in for like the last minute and Stanley Borden just never played. He just didn't ever play in the regular season. 
is because that third string lineup would usually be like Hubbard, Blake's, uh, John's, uh, Catchings, and Reeves. And because Christian Reeves was in the game and Shire was trying to get Reeves run toward the ends of those games, he just didn't play Stanley Borden. And I think this is a travesty. I think that if Christian Reeves moves up the rotation a little bit this year, those garbage time minutes can go to Stanley Borden. Man, I'm starting a campaign. Uh, the, the, the people's person, man, an absolute icon on Duke's campus, a very popular man is Stanley Borden, uh, a renaissance man, honestly. What a, what a talented kid. Um, for those of you that don't know anything about about Stanley. But anyway, moving on to the actual um, non-conference regular season slate. So the first game of the season will be November 6th against Dartmouth. Wildly, wildly, this is the first ever meeting between Duke and Dartmouth. I honestly could not believe that. But I guess it's true. Duke has won 23 consecutive season openers. That's pretty That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, wouldn't think that that streak will break on this one. But uh, this is Duke's first Ivy League game since they played Brown back in the 2019-20 season in the fall. So let's get into a little bit of Dartmouth's resume. They, are, they were 10-28 and 28 last season, ranking 260th on Ken Palm. Not the worst team on Ken Palm that Duke will play this upcoming season. They do bring back uh, Dusan Neskovic from Serbia. Uh, he averaged 12.2 points per game last season. And then also Ryan Cornish, who averaged 12.5 points per game last season. So two double-digit uh, scores returning for Dartmouth. This really shouldn't be a crazy challenge. I don't think this is a team that's... I mean, no team is going to lie down. When you get to go into Cameron Indoor Stadium and play Duke, it is go hard or go home. I mean, why, why not put your best effort forward? But I would... Ideally, I wouldn't think Duke has too much trouble with Dartmouth. And their first ever meeting. And speaking of first ever meetings, there's going to be a lot of those in here. So look out for that. Some exciting first ever meetings. This is not a first ever meeting, but it is a big one. The second game of the season, November 10th versus Arizona at home. This is the first of a a home and home series that, that Shire has scheduled where Arizona comes into Cameron this season. And Duke will go to Arizona next season. Arizona is coming in at number 11 right now on ESPN's way too early top 25. It's really not that early anymore, actually. So they probably will fall somewhere around there in the preseason top 25. Duke is second on that list behind only Kansas. And I think that's probably ultimately where Duke will land on the official preseason AP poll. Anyway, but number 11 uh, Arizona. Arizona was great last season. I believe they were number two seed. They built this roster back up, though, through the portal and international circuits. They do, however, bring back one really crucial player, and uh, Umar ba- uh, Balo. Uh, he's back. Seven footer, 14.2 points per game, 8.6 rebounds per game. He was first team pack 12. Uh, Kyle's going to have his hands full. Kyle is going to have his hands full in that matchup. That is a physical big man. That is a big guy. A talented one at that. That's the concern for that matchup because Filipowski, you don't want him getting in foul trouble. Sean Stewart's given up a lot of height there, and that is the second game of the season. Is Stewart really going to be ready for that? Ryan Young defensively, I mean, he can maybe hold his ground a little bit, but there's a lot of concern with Ryan Young's defense. Christian Reeves, is he going to be ready to guard a player that caliber that early? I think this 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 will be a test. No Derek Lively to anchor the defense. What does Duke look like against a really high level center? This this will be a this is the biggest thing I think to look out for against Arizona. Uh, Tubelis is gone. There's some good guard play at Arizona. Probably the most notable guard at Arizona next year. Unfortunately for Duke fans, 
<laughs> is Caleb Love uh, from from Carolina. He was, he's making his way to Arizona. 16.6 points per game last year at UNC. A lot of Duke fans probably thought they were done with, with Caleb Love after he announced his uh, decision to transfer, but he is going to play in Cameron Indoor Stadium once more, at least, because he does have another year of eligibility after this year. So I'm sure the booze will be in full effect in Cameron for Mr. Love, regardless of whether he's wearing uh, Carolina baby blue or not. But he'll he'll be he'll be there. But really, again, uh, Ballo, that matchup is going to be the biggest thing to watch against Arizona. How does Duke defensively handle him in the interior? Because if they can handle him, I think that that's going to be a really good sign for Duke's interior defense defense, which is probably a bit of a concern, especially to start the year. It would be great if Sean Stewart is ready right off the cusp to, to to deal with a bigger guy like that. But I just, you know, you have your doubts when you're dealing with a shorter and height big man in Stewart. That can he really hang that early? Hopefully, we'll see, and we'll see if Filipowski can hang uh, as well without getting in foul trouble because I think that'll be critical in that matchup. And that the very next game is somehow even higher profile. Uh, the Champions Classic matchup in Chicago this year will be against. Michigan State on November 14th. Michigan State is ranked number four in ESPN's way too early top 25. So that'll be probably a top five matchup in this one. Michigan State and Duke's all-time record. Duke is 14-4 and four against Michigan State. Last time they played was the second round in the 2022 tournament where Jeremy Roach hit a pretty big bucket. So Jeremy Roach has Michigan State's number for sure. There's no doubt about that. There are four projected starters back from last year for Michigan State, including its backcourt players, Tyson Walker, who averaged 14.8 points per game, and A.J. Hoggard, who averaged 12.9 points per game. They went to the Sweet 16 last year. They were seven seed, seven seed for the second consecutive year, I believe. And, you know... Michigan State has a way of <laughs> overperforming in a lot of NCAA tournaments and making it to those second and third weekends. But a very notable difference here is the recruiting addition that Michigan State has added. Yes, they brought back, you know, a lot of guys from a Sweet 16 team, but Xavier Booker, that's that's the big factor here. Six foot ten, number 14 player in the class, according to 24-7 sports. He was ranked, I think, as high as like third at a point in time. Duke, Duke did dish out an offer to Booker. Obviously, ended up going to Michigan State. I think that'll be an interesting matchup in the interior as well. I think physically a little easier for Duke to deal with in terms of he's not a huge body big man that's going to push guys around in the paint, that kind of thing. He's athletic, but I think Duke has the athleticism to deal with that. If Duke can outperform Michigan State's backcourt, if Proctor, Roach, McCain, and Foster can outdo Walker and Hoggard, I think Duke's in good shape against Michigan State ultimately. And Duke typically is in good shape against Michigan State. But this is the first Michigan State matchup of the Shire era. So we'll see how the Shire versus Izzo matchup looks like. See if he can continue the tradition of big dubs over the Spartans like Coach K had. Want to join a community of Duke accounts publishing news, theories, and predictions on Duke athletics? Join the Duke Wisdom Network. Just go to dukewisdom.org slash join network today and fill out the form with your name and social media. Or you can DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Become a part of the community of Duke fans publishing their takes today. Again, that's dukewisdom.org slash join network or DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Okay, now the fourth through sixth matchups of the season will be part of the Blue Devil Challenge. 
So there's four teams in the Blue Devil Challenge, but uh, Bucknell, LaSalle, and Southern Indiana, and Duke, of course. Those four schools will all play one another at some point during like the span of, of a week, I think. Yeah, over the span of a week. But all three matchups for Duke will be in Cameron. Uh, they'll play Bucknell first, November 17th. They're 3-0 all-time against Bucknell. They last played in 2006, though, so this first matchup in about 17 years. Bucknell was 12-20 and last year. They are, I believe, the lowest-ranked team on Ken Palm from last year. They were 303rd last season. They only returned one double-digit score, Jack Forrest. They also only have two returnees over six foot six. Both of those players averaged 3.6 points and 1.5 points, respectively. If if you're going to put down a preemptive, going to go ahead and put a W on the schedule, no offense to Bucknell, this might be the one to do it for. This is probably Duke's biggest, like, go get a blowout and have fun kind of game. This might really blow up on me if Bucknell goes crazy in Cameron. You never know. You absolutely never know. A team can get hot. Um, the next game in this, this part will be against LaSalle, November 21st. The Explorers are 0-4 against Duke all times. So the Blue Devils never lost to them. This is the first time they've played since 1983, which I believe is the only matchup. You can fact check me on this, but I believe is the only matchup of the Coach K era against LaSalle. Their top scorer, uh, Khalil Brantley, he's back. 14.3 points per game last season, six-foot point guard. They were 15-19 and 19 last season. They were ranked 225th on Ken Palm. So again, another... Perhaps not the greatest matchup. They're they're a, a guard heavy team that should really not bring too many problems to Durham, especially given how strong Duke's backcourt is this season. Third matchup in the Blue Devil Challenge will be November twenty fourth on Black Friday. No Thanksgiving game this year, but there will be a Black Friday game. This is the first time I believe, yeah, first te- first time ever that Duke has played Southern Indiana, who was ranked two hundred eighty fifth on Ken Palm at the end of last season. They were a perfect five hundred sixteen and sixteen last season. They lost pretty much all of their main scores from a season ago. So the Blue Devil Challenge, perhaps maybe not as challenging for the Blue Devils as it is for the teams playing them. Kind of a nice breath of fresh air after playing two back-to-back potential top 10 teams in Arizona and Michigan State. But after the Blue Devil Challenge ends, you go about almost a week after Thanksgiving, and Duke will play its first and its only true away game. So they've got, I think, two neutral court games in non-conference play, but they'll play one true away game, and it will be against Arkansas on November 29th. This is the first game ever for Duke in the ACC-SEC Challenge, which is brand new after the Big Ten Challenge ended last season. Arkansas is ranked number 14 on the ESPN Way Too Early Top 25, so third team uh, ranked in the top 15 already. That's that's big time in seven games. And Duke is 2-2 two and two all-time against Arkansas. The last time they played was a W, obviously, is the Elite Eight win in 2022 to send the Blue Devils to the Final Four. Uh, There's another notable matchup of those four between these two teams in 1994. Duke fans probably don't love talking about that one. But this this could be a really challenging game for Duke. I think personnel-wise, Arkansas obviously is not the best team Duke plays. Personnel-wise, Michigan State likely is. Their ranking shows that. But Trevin Brazil, uh, 11.8 points per game. I hope I didn't butcher that name. And then Devontae Davis, 10.9 points per game. Both those guys are back. Uh, Khalif Battle is transferring into Arkansas. He averaged 17.9 points per game last year at Temple. And then Tremont Mark, who averaged 10.1 at Houston, also transferring in to Arkansas. Uh, Eric Mosman's team will be hopped up for that game, I'm sure. Lost 
you know, just a couple seasons ago to Duke in the Elite Eight. This is a home game for Arkansas, Duke's first away game. And uh, I have to think this might be the most troublesome game for Duke. They've got Arizona at home. I think that that matchup wise in the interior will be very difficult for Duke against Arizona. And I think Michigan State's probably the best team they're going to play. But the circumstances surrounding this game is what probably I think makes it the most difficult. It's an away game. It's a good crowd. It's going to be a defensively intensive team in Arkansas. And it's going to be a tough game for Duke. It's going to be a tough game for Duke. And then we'll move on. They play December 9th against Charlotte at home. So all time, this will be, I think, the eighth meeting between these two teams. Duke is six and one all time. The last time they met, this is fun fact. Shout out to also, before I give this fact, shout out to Go Duke, the SIDs, do some amazing jobs at gathering statistics for media and publishing them on GoDuke. Just really cool job that they do. So the last time these two teams met, Duke and Charlotte, was in the 2009-10 season, and Duke won the game huge. And John Shire led the team in scoring with 20 points. He had five rebounds, five assists. Great game for, for coach there. So the last time they played, Shire was, was playing on the team, leading them right before winning a national title. Pretty cool tidbit there. Uh, Charlotte was actually ranked 106th on Ken Palm, which makes them the second best non-Power 5 that Duke will play. 22-14 and 14 last year, and they won the College Basketball Invitational in the postseason. That was the school's first ever postseason title. They bring back one double-digit score uh, in Patterson. He averaged 10 points per game last season. Another interesting thing to look out for Charlotte, they actually have five players who are 6'10 or taller. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive, especially for, for the 49ers. They were 16th last season nationally in effective field goal percentage, according to Ken Palm, and uh, 19th in three-point percentage overall. Now, they're, the, the way they play might change because they have a first-year coach this year. Um, so who knows how much they're going to focus on three-point shooting, especially with five near seven-footers. Uh, game plan might change, but if it doesn't and they're bringing back some, some three-point shooting, could be interesting to see how Duke deals with that. To see how Duke Duke deals with kind of a pesky mid-major three-point shooting team like they might see in the first round of the tournament uh, could be good practice in, in that regard. So a sneakily pretty solid team in Charlotte. Speaking of sneakily solid teams, though, the next game is December 12th, also at home against Hofstra, who ranked 89th last year in Ken Palm. They were 25-10 and 10 last season including 16-2 and two in colonial play and conference play. They actually went to the NIT as well. So this right here, this team, you want to talk about a trap game? If there's a trap game in this non-conference schedule, it is Hofstra, without a doubt. Uh, a lot of people probably wouldn't guess that on face value, but they were 15th in effective field goal percentage, according to Ken Palm last season nationally, 17th in two-point percentage. They're bringing back their second leading scorer, Tyler Thomas, he averaged 16.5 points per game. They lost their top score, but they also bring back their third leading score, Darlin Stone Dubar, who averaged 10.3 points per game. So this could be a scary team. This is good practice. And honestly, even at home, Hofstra could be a decent game, like not just avoid quad three, quad four kind of win. Like this could this could provide something. This this is good practice. This is the kind of team Duke would match up in the first round with. This is probably Duke's fifth highest quality game. Outside of the four major games that are gonna be quad ones, this is Duke's biggest opponent. You may see a little bit of a a fight going on against Hofstra for sure. The next game is one of those one of the four big ones. We've already gone over the three Arizona, Michigan State, Arkansas. The last one is December twentieth against Baylor in Madison Square Garden. The Bears were a three seed last year, and this year they're marked up at number 20 on the ESPN way too early. 
top 25, which means Duke will have potentially four uh, top 20 or at least top 25 preseason ranked teams on their non-conference slate. And that is a good resume builder. Uh, Baylor did lose a lot. They lost a lot of guys, especially on the perimeter, Uh, but they built it back up through the transfer portals and recruits. They actually have a five-star recruit. That's pretty uncommon for Baylor. I mean, not recently, I guess, after the championship they landed. Keontae George. Championships will bolster recruiting. You'll always find that, and that is working pretty well in Baylor's favor right now, but they got Jacoby Walker coming in. He's a five-star recruit, and then Although they don't have a lot of returning scoring, they have Frege Dennis, who averaged 19.5 points per game at Toledo last season. He's a guard. Duke has only played Baylor one time. Another fun John Shire fact. <laughs> only once. And it was in 2010 in the NCAA tournament in the Elite Eight. And John Shire reached his first and only Final Four in route to winning a national championship. So two pretty cool John Shire facts there against Charlotte and against Baylor. I I, I was kind of stunned to find out that Duke had only played Baylor one time, but that is the case. It'll be the second matchup between the two teams. Duke has obviously never lost to Baylor. This could be uh, a big matchup, I think, in, in, in Duke North and Madison Square Garden. Of the four major matchups, and the rank indicates this, Baylor is the least likely, probably, to get a win off on Duke. Just not a lot of returning scoring. They're not set up positionally, I don't think, to beat Duke either. The Blue Devils don't have a huge contest in the paint, and perimeter-wise, I don't think Duke should be scared of any team in the country. Their backcourt is is probably the best backcourt in college basketball by a solid margin when you're talking about the four point guard-esque players. And so after Baylor, we head the final non-conference game, which will be December 30th against Queens University at Charlotte. So quiz is the first time Duke will ever play Queens. This is Queens's second year as a Division I program, and which means they fall into that stupid rule that uh, Bellarmine fell into that uh, in the first four years as a Division I program, you can't make the tournament. I really hope they lift that rule eventually because it is one of just one of those insular rules that has no reason to exist at all. I don't know if Queens will have to worry about making the tournament. Oh, for their sake, they they do. But they were 18-15 last season during their first Division One year. They rank 203rd on Ken Palm last year. They are bringing back their second leading scorer, A.J. McKee, who averaged 15.4 last season. But in what will be the final game of the year 2023 for Duke, it likely won't be an incredibly challenging game. If you look at this schedule, Duke really shouldn't have a lot of trouble dealing with Dartmouth. They shouldn't have a lot of trouble dealing with all three games in the Blue Devil Challenge. They shouldn't have much trouble with Queens. They shouldn't have much trouble, too much trouble with Charlotte. So there should be six pretty easy wins there. They might have a little trouble with Hofstra. I wouldn't imagine they'd lose the game, but you never know. I mean, Stephen F. Austin 2020, it can happen. But the four big games are Michigan State, Arizona, Arkansas, Baylor. I don't think Duke loses to Baylor. I don't think Duke loses to Michigan State. I think there is a chance Duke drops to Arizona, but man, what a shame that would be. I think because it's in Cameron, I am leaning that Duke will win the game. Do, however, I am projecting that Duke will lose to Arkansas. I don't see Duke getting out of this 11 games without a loss. It's a little too difficult for that. There's four top 20 games. It's a little too difficult for that. I'm not going to say they can't do it. I They clearly can. They're the number two team preseason, probably. A lot of returning talent, a lot of incoming talent. But I think that first away game, I'm glad that it's Arkansas. I'm glad that it's not like Boston College or NC State and Duke's going to go get absolutely destroyed by NC State and PNC Arena for their first away game like they so often do. I'm, I'm glad that that's not their first away game. I'm glad that it's a really good team, which because if if they falter a little bit, 
it's not a detrimental game to their resume. If Duke loses to Arkansas at Arkansas, it's really not going to hurt them come Selection Sunday. Um, if they get a win, that's huge. That's great. But I do think I have Duke at 10-1 and one in non-conference play with a loss to Arkansas. We'll see how that goes, and we will see the full-released ACC schedule sometime soon. And with that, I will make another episode to go over the conference games and go over some conference opponents and stuff. And closer to the season, I'll hop into preseason all ACC teams for me. I might do an episode at some point to go over my official all ACC preseason football ballot that I filled out. I don't know. We'll see. But thanks so much for listening in. Let me know who you think. I did a poll on Twitter, I know, uh, already, but let me know who you think Duke's first loss will be to if you think they're going to have one. History says they they will, uh, but let me know who you think the first one will be to if you think it'll be a non-conference. Uh, let me know what you think of each of these non-conference matchups as well. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe or follow on whichever platform you're listening on and stay tuned for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks so much.